morning, family. How are you? Are you well? I hope you're well. Come on in. Come on in. Let's stand on our feet this morning. Let's pray just one quick prayer. Lord God, we come before you this morning with thanksgiving and praise. Lord, we are here to honor you, to lift your name up, to meet with you, to praise your name, to glorify you. Lord God, we are here that you would change us and mold us and make us, Lord, as we lift your name up, as we focus on you. Praise you, Lord. We welcome you here in this place this morning. Thank you, Lord.
praise you, Lord. amongst us Holy Spirit we value your presence incredibly highly I thank you that you'd position yourself here today and this morning we open our hearts to you we open our minds we open our lives to you and we invite you to speak in we invite you to stir things up where they need to be stirred up we ask that you'd encourage where we need to be encouraged. I ask, Lord, that you would heal where healing needs to come this morning. In Jesus' name, whether it be physical, whether it be mental, whether it be spiritual, we release your healing in the name of Jesus for every person who needs, every person who desires the healing touch of God this morning. In Jesus' name, you are most welcome. Most welcome. In a moment, we'll just sing the hallelujah bit again, eh? It was great. I was reading this week in, in my devotions, I was reading the book of Jude. I actually started a new way of doing devotions this week. I had a, oh, I get bored if I do the same way over and over. So um, I was talking actually to Grant McAllister, and he said he had just started this or been showed this new way. And I thought, oh, I'll try that. It's called the three column method. Three column method of devotion. You, you write out the scripture word for word or the passage word for word. Then you write out the passage in your own words and then you write application. It's quite good. You know, for this week, it was good. Probably be bored of it next week, but that's all right. It's the way it goes. This week, it worked really well. But I was reading Jude and um, 
you know, it just really stood out to me the grace of God. And Judah's writing and it's, it's telling people not to take the grace of God candidly. Not to be flippant with the grace of God, but to really embrace God and embrace His grace and appreciate His grace. And not to be trying to push over the boundaries. You know, don't walk on the, on the line of what's okay and what's not okay, seemingly. But to really stay in the flow of God's grace. And I wondered if we could sing the, the chorus again. And while we sing that this morning, how about intentionally turning our minds to the grace of God? Because but for His grace, none of us would be here. None of us. Can we do that? Turn our minds to His grace with thanksgiving this morning. Hallelujah means 10,000 praises.
Well, it is great to see you. It is great to gather together this morning. About to worship our God together. Warm welcome. Loving these sunshiny days. Other side of the storm, of course, but the sunshiny days, aren't they nice? Bit cool in the morning, but promise of things to come. It's very, very good. If you're visiting with us this morning, a very warm welcome to you. Great to have you with us. I trust that you can relax and really engage with what's happening this morning and that you'll experience something of the touch of God on your life today. It's my prayer for you. It's awesome to have Martin with us today from down the south end of the North Island. Welcome, Martin. Great to have you. And also we have three friends from um, Ghana this morning with us visiting. Why don't you stand up, guys? We have Emmanuel, Stephen and Pius. And they're joining us for a couple of days. They are currently this year studying at Equippers College in Auckland. And um, they are visiting some of the Acts churches to get a feel of the different ways that we do church in New Zealand. And uh, so these guys are out here for two years. You've got the son, eh? This man has left his wife and his son for two years to come and get equipped. And people moan about coming to prayer meeting on Tuesday night. I tell you, it's awesome. Bless you guys. Welcome to have you here. Great. Very, very good. Well, birthdays and anniversaries. Who's that? A, I know a few. I know of a few celebrations. This week. Yeah, Trevor, you've got to come. Trevor celebrated his 70th birthday this week. Fantastic. And Margaret, you need to come too because you're going to be away for yours in a week. So happy birthday. And Margaret's celebrating hers in a few days, but they're going to be away celebrating together. And Derek's celebrating this week. And we're, going to, we're going to pray for Derek next week because he's going for a hip replacement. So we need to cover that in prayer before he goes. That would be great. Any other birthdays or celebrations this week? Wedding anniversaries? Any wedding anniversaries? No. Well, why don't we jump up on our feet and let's declare God's blessings over these ones. Here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy birthdays. Wonderful. Grant, why don't you come and share a testimony with us? Here he comes. Oh, no, well, you can sit there while I do the other bits. How's that? Because I missed some stuff. He looked at me with great surprise on his face, and it's because he's got an order, and I just mucked it up. <laughs> I missed some stuff. Yeah, I missed some stuff. That's right. Hey, next week we've got, um, it is next week, isn't it? Yes, next week we've got Faith 101, the next lot of Faith 101. If you're, um, you've recently given your life to Christ and you want to get schooled in the basics of faith, and I recommend that you get schooled in the basics of faith and discipleship, what it is, Faith 101 starts again next week at the 6 p.m. meeting, and Josh Moore will be leading that. And if you'd like to come to that, please just let the office know uh, so that we can make arrangements uh, for the right number, but it would be really good for that. The other thing I want to uh, just show you this morning, we've got the mission slide there. That would be great. This is how we're going in global mission. The green, the green uh, in the basket is how we're going 
with the money coming in, all the squares in the basket represent our total promised for the year. So we're underway. We're doing okay. But we need to keep the finances coming in because um, there's never much um, grace space in the missions budget. We need to keep it coming in. Can I tell you this week, we, um, we have, uh, with Impart India, this week we gave them 2,215 summary Bibles. This is a project that Impart, uh, and I really felt God lay it on our heart to, in my heart to do this, Impart India have created these Bibles in, uh, for North India in the local language. And the summary Bible, what it does is because the general uh, education of the pastors in that area is not very high. So what the summary Bible does is it summarizes what each chapter of the Bible is about and gives them the key points summarized that they can preach from. And so what these tools, you need that too. Yeah. Uh, so so what, it, what it does in effect is it lifts, it lifts the whole um, quality of the content from the Word of God that the churches are getting throughout North India. And, um, and what I really love about it is when we lift the, the quality and the content and getting God's word into those villages and towns in India, we're actually, we're, we're addressing issues of poverty. We're addressing issues of trafficking, of slavery, of equal rights, that real kingdom issues have been addressed because it's giving understanding to the word of God for these guys to preach. Well, we've got 2,215 of these into 2,215 pastors' hands, so that's 2,215 churches that are going to benefit from it. Pretty cool, eh? Yeah, I, I reckon it's worth tapping. I think it's outstanding. So... Um, that's part of what's, and we'll keep updating you with what's happening as we go along. But that's very, very good. Grant, this time. How about giving Grant a hand as he comes this morning? This man is on a great journey in God. Cheers, bro. Good morning. Uh, right. As you may or may not know, I am a part of the Kmart. This is a mouthful night market encounter team we have the privilege of speaking to the people of hamilton about the love and hope that comes from knowing our creator god if you would have asked me two years ago um, about sharing my faith i would have said no sharing my faith was never easy at the best of times and painful at the worst i could tell you I did not like it one little bit. So what changed? Well, to be honest, quite a lot. Shock horror. It's not about me, but about what... Sorry, guys. <laughs> not about me and what I want, but about the lasting effect of what God wants. What a revelation. Once I learned to surrender my desires and be obedient to God's, he helped me see how important my role was in his plans and desires for his creation. It changed sharing about God from a burden to a desire. For me, there were two things that helped me change my heart, love and prayer. From the moment I chose to surrender and be obedient, I started to find myself wanting what God wanted. 
It's a great feeling knowing that you're sharing God with people who have little to absolutely no idea about the unconditional love of knowing the change that knowing God can bring into people's lives. As it, uh, as it says in Mark 12:33, a teacher of religious law replies to Jesus, and I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. Listen to that order. Firstly, love God with your heart. That's faith, obedience. Understanding, that's wisdom and Bible. Strength, which of course is perseverance. Secondly, love your neighbor. An act of selflessness. Then lastly, as yourself. To me, it's fairly clear. Love God and everything that goes along with that. Then be selfless. Love others as you love yourself. Don't be selfish because love breeds intentional behavior. Prayer. Prayer has power. Prayer is not just a conversation, but a tool. It has become a useful tool to prepare both myself and the environment that I enter into. It's like a garden hoe, where you prepare the ground, making it ready to plant the seeds. My encouragement to you to, uh, this morning is pray, pray, pray. For those you would love to see changed, pray beforehand, pray during, and pray after. When we pray, we partner with God. When we love, we are acting out God's desires for his people. When God places someone on our mind or heart, be active and pray for that person. When it comes to sharing, don't be worried about the outcome. I believe God will see your effort no matter how big or small. You don't need to have the gift of evangelism to speak about God. I feel a little faith, hope, and love goes a long way towards seeing what you desire for that person. Remember, we partner, we are partners with God because the need or the pursuit of perfection, this is obviously regarding sharing, can breed apathy. You don't need to be perfect, just obedient. Joshua 1.9 says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Love your God. Ah, sorry. For the Lord your God is with you. Where, uh, I'm reading the wrong one. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. That's where I went wrong. Sorry, guys. First uh, Timothy 2, 1 to 6. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for the kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is, a good, this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is only one God, 
and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world as just, at just the right time. So I encourage you, wherever you are, whenever you are, represent Jesus in the best way you know how. Thank you. Very good. I love that. Love breeds intentional behavior. That was pretty profound, really. Love breeds intentional behavior. Well, Moira, where are you? Right there, right in front of me. Why don't you come? This morning, I think we've got Psalm 57. I really invite you to relax and allow God's word to wash over you. Yes, Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I'm surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations, for your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above all the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Amen.
agradecido. Stand to our feet, church. Praise you, Lord. Praise our God this morning. Here we thank you, Lord. Here we praise you, Lord. Cause you heard our cry. You came to me, Let's praise our God. Let's sing a new song. Even before we sing the song that's up on the screen, Lord. Let's praise our God.
just us, Lord God, but this whole earth, Lord, and all that is in it would have light. Lord, thank you, Lord. So we turn our eyes to you. We look to you. We take this moment now just to focus, focus on you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Be glorified. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Strangely, in the light of 
time to your eyes to
Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and we see your face. We just want to worship you, to praise you, Lord. You are worthy. Hallelujah. In the light of your glorious grace. Hallelujah. Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, thank you for that. And uh, I'm Chris, obviously, as you know. And I know time is running out with us. I'm not talking about the Lord's return. I'm talking about this morning service. <coughs> Thanks, guys. I uh, just flicked my other hat on for a minute like I did last time. Always an opportunity for uh, promotion and marketing. <clears throat> if you are thinking about internships at ATC or uh, along that line, I just want to remind you, uh, you won't regret it. You've got an option next year, of course, of ministry, Diploma in Ministry Level 5, which will be called, instead of ministry, it'll be called Christian Studies, New Zealand Diploma in Christian Studies next year. Uh, that's an internship in the church that you can do and you attend block courses and do online study. Uh, great way of learning and going ahead. And uh, also, you also have the New Zealand Diploma in Business that you can do through internship as well. So you can do that in the church. You can get a New Zealand Diploma in Business. Uh, if you want to have that, that as your career, you can serve the church for a year and learn a whole lot of things in a Christian context. You'll go to the same block courses, worship the Lord with the same ministry people, uh, learn the same things about it in a sense out of the Bible and in Christian context, but it'll be a New Zealand Diploma in Business instead. So you'll split out into different classes. And we're also hoping to do the same thing with music as well next year. So you get an option of three, all right? So uh, that'll be about 80% of you doing a diploma next year, which is great. <laughs> okay, change hats now, back to the, back to the spiritual bit. I want to <laughs> share what uh, God has been challenging me for uh, about over the last 12 months or so. Uh, and uh, if he's challenging me, I thought I'd just share it with you, challenge you. So is that all right? <clears throat> God called Abraham uh, out of the Chaldeans and said, uh, come out of that area. In fact, in, in Genesis 12, 1, it said, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And he left and he was 75 years old. Now you think by 75, I've just settled in, I've done my bit, you know, I'm settling down. And God says, no, this is just the start. I'm going to lead you out and do some great things through you. I'm going to give you a family, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. And he said, I haven't even got a child, I'm 75 years old and you're calling me out to go to a place I've never been, to do something I'd never even think was possible, uh, you know. But he went. He obeyed the word, of the word of the Lord. It was a sacrifice. He was separated unto the word of the Lord, or unto, unto the call of God. And he went out and did that. And God blessed him. And in fact, uh, Abraham lived to 175. So actually, he wasn't even middle-aged at that point. Uh, so that's pretty good. God told Moses to go out and do some things, didn't he? You know, he left his land that he'd been in for 40 years. He had to flee in the end. He'd been in this lovely palace sort of environment and good life and so on with Pharaoh's family. And uh, he had to flee and he went to Midian and he lived there for 40 years. 
had come out and been separated from the life that he'd known. And after 40 years, when he was 80 years old, uh, the burning bush episode happened and uh, God said, I want you to go back to Egypt and I wanted you to bring my people out, go set my people free. So again, he was separated, he just made a new life again and he had to be called out of that, separated unto the call of God to do what God had called him to do. And that wasn't an easy life. You know, he had to come out. When he came out of Egypt, that he'd, and the second time when he led the people out, he had lived there for 40 years. It was his home country, in a sense, where he grew up. And that nation was almost destroyed by the time he left, by all the plagues and the pestilences and the, and the firstborn dying and so on, and seeing what he had grown up with. And, yeah, I mean, then we find in the, in the end of the book of, uh, book of Numbers, it's interesting, the book of Numbers, isn't this? Weird. Uh, book of Numbers, where the Midianites, he said, go and, go and battle against them. And they went out and they killed all the men. And then they killed all the wives and so forth, you know, and then they took over the land. Well, Moses had lived in Midian for 40 years. That was his other part of his life. His wife was a Midianite. His father-in-law who was with him was a Midianite. I mean, that's, a, that's your past destroyed, isn't it? Gone. And yet he had this amazing relationship with God that he saw as more value. You know, God saw and talked to him face to face, and they were going towards a promised land. You know, God called out the Israelites out of Egypt to come out of Egypt and go to a promised land. Oh, but we're comfortable. This is not bad here. We don't mind being slaves. But he was a better place. There was a better place to go, and he separated his people unto him. Then he called out of the people of Israel, he called out the Levites, one tribe out of twelve. I've called you out to be special priests to me, an anointed special section of my special people to minister unto me and to minister unto the people. And, you know, there was a loss to them. There was a separation to them. They didn't get an allotment of the lands. They didn't get any land to call their own to pass down generation to generation. They got a little bit of land around the cities to use, but it wasn't theirs to keep. Quite different, but they were called for a special purpose. And then God said to Zacharias and Elizabeth, uh, John, your son, John the Baptist, he's going to be separated unto me from birth. And he's going to go out and he's going to make straight paths for the Lord. And he's going to go before me. In all the days of his life, he's going to serve me. And he lived outside of the city. Locusts and wild honey, which doesn't sound very nice, he lived on. Uh, and the people came out to him to be baptized. And God said to the serpent in the Garden of Eden that the woman's seed would crush Satan's head. And Jesus was separated from the Father and sent unto us to bring salvation to us. And he gave up what he had in a sense and suffered a whole lot for us, for the eternal glory, for the end of the pathway, for the thing that he's called to do, as we see in John 10.36. Set apart for the Father's will to do the purpose to bring us to him, back to him. And Jesus called the disciples, didn't he, out of, the, out of their lifestyle. You know, they left their boats and so forth, and their fishing and their tax services and so on, and separated unto the ministry, and later unto the word and unto prayer. And I find in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 16, you are the temple of the living God, this is talking to us. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk among them, which is amazing. I will be their God, they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And that's a challenge, isn't it? Called out, called out from a physical life into a spiritual life. Called out to serve God. Called out to be a special people unto him. 
But am I talking about religiously being set aside? Am I talking about, you know, being a monk and shutting ourselves off from the world? No, no, absolutely not. It's not what God is calling us to do. It's not about self-denial, because we get into self-denial, we get into religion, and that's not what God has called us to. It's about relationship, isn't it? It's about love, giving, serving, trusting, believing, walking with. It's about spiritual separation. It's a thing of the heart, not of the thing of the physical. Colossians 2.20, just to reassure that, (coughs) reiterate that. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. See, we're, set, we're called out, set apart, and, and, and set apart for God. But it's not on that physical thing of trying to do uh, religious activity. See, 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That's us. That's, that's a privilege, isn't it? That's amazing. That we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have come out of something like out of Egypt, which is a symbol of the worldliness, out into the promised land. We've been called out of darkness into the light. This is good news. Separated to God for his purpose to be a royal priesthood. And then I thought, well, what's a priest? If we're all called to be priests, what's that mean? And I thought, you know, in my own interpretation, I thought, that's someone who's called out of the world to serve the people, out of selfish pursuit and worldly gain, into service to God and for others. Is that how you would describe a priest? That's who we are. We're called out of the world to serve God and to serve others. Love, thy God, love the Lord thy God, love thy neighbour, as we've already heard this morning. See, it's not about ourselves, it's about our separation and our service. He's given us so much, how much are we giving back, isn't it? In Matthew 25, we read the parable of the sheep and the goats. And this is the parable that I've been going over for the last 12 months. <clears throat> I don't want to be a goat, I want to be a sheep, alright? This is, this is my challenge. And, he's, and he, in the last days when everyone comes before God in the judgment day, he separates the sheep from the goats. And of course, historically, the sheep and the goats were very similar. You know, we've selectively bred the sheep to have longer wool and so forth, but historically, it was very difficult to tell them apart. And so he separates the sheep and puts the sheep on his right hand and the, and the goats on his left. And he says to the sheep, Come, you blessed of my Father, and here at the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, and thirsty, and drink, and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and take you in, or naked, and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick, or in prison, and come to you? And the king will answer them and say, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he'll turn to the goats and he will say, then he will also say to those on the left hand, this is why I don't want to be a goat, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And they say, why, Lord? Because when I was thirsty, you didn't drink, give me a drink. And when I was hungry, you didn't feed me and so on and so on. And they will say to him, you know, when did we not do this? And he said, when you didn't do it to the least of one of these, my brothers and sisters, you didn't do it to me. 
And I thought, man, we're called to be priests, aren't we? To give and serve and be aware of the needs around us, the opportunities to give. And I thought, man, I, I've had plenty of goats days in my life and I want more sheep days, all right? But the really interesting thing about this parable is that neither the sheep or the goats realized what they were doing. The goats weren't consciously ignoring anything. They said, when did we miss that, Lord? And the sheep said the same things. When did we do it for you, Lord? They were doing what was naturally their nature to do. And this is the thing that was challenging me. Because if I'm a goat, I won't realize I'm a goat. And that's the scary bit, isn't it? Because I think, well, when did I miss it? I wasn't being deliberately ignorant. But the point is love, isn't it? And they didn't, uh, they didn't quite pick up the whole point of what it was really about. You know, I, uh, about a year ago, <clears throat> when I first moved to Hamilton, seems weird, isn't it? I've been here over a year now. Um, when, I, when I went down to, uh, I was reading this particular testimony, or this uh, parable, I should say, and I thought, man, I need to be more prepared. I need to try and train myself back to more of the sheep side. How can I do that? You know, and I started to do it like when I get an email from Tear Fund or something. Instead of just reading it, oh, great, I'll get back to that one day. I just deliberately now say, I'll read that through and say, Lord, do you, what, what do you want me to give? Is there anything you want to give now? And I do it right then on my phone. And, and you know, even if it's only $10 or something, what do you want me to give? I don't want to miss an opportunity to be a sheep. And uh, I thought, well, I don't have that prepared in the daytime. What, what about if I come across someone who needs some money? I don't carry cash. I use my cards, you know. So I'll go down to the money machine and I'll get $20 out and I'll keep that in my wallet. So if I do have that little, little need, I can give it away. You know, be prepared. So I did that. Felt good about that. Self-righteous? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, I went down to the money machine a couple of weeks later to get a couple of hundred dollars out for something other than a different purpose. And I'm just getting the money out, and this guy's walking down the road, a reasonable distance away, and he yells out, Hey, 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 uh, mate, you know, I'm just going home, and I've got, to, I've got to see my wife and my kid, and we don't have any money for food, and... You know, I can't feed them tonight. And, and uh, I looked up, and this guy's about 35, 40 years old. You know, he's reasonably dressed. He's got a backpack on, going home from work. That's that sort of time. And I thought, yeah, right. You know, as often we do, well, I do. <clears throat> and I thought, I can't see a real need here. So I just ignored him, and I got my money out, and I was walking back to the car. I got to the back of the car, and this guy's still sort of calling out to me. And this little gust of breeze somehow came out of nowhere and one of these $20 notes flicks out into the air and I'm chasing this $20 note <laughs> and it flies about 20 feet and it lands right in front of this guy on the ground it doesn't fly away then I don't have to put my foot on it it just bang stays there like, okay <clears throat> picked the note up and what do you do I, I gave it to the guy you know because <laughs> this was to me God you know saying you're not listening here Chris so I gave it to the guy. And when I got back in the car, I really felt the Lord, Lord impressed on me. He said that goats train themselves out of seeing opportunities. And I thought that was a real message. Well, it was a message to me. Because they say, oh, he doesn't need it. Or I'll do it tomorrow. Or I'll get back to that. Or I'm too busy. You know, we, we go through life training ourselves out of being sheep and into goats. Well, I'm not saying you do, but I'm saying we can do. And we need to train ourselves back into being a sheep again. You know? So it was a good lesson for me, and I, 
often pray the prayer in the morning about, Lord, if you give me a sheep day today, please. You know, don't let me miss the opportunities that come past me. Because it's not about me, it's not about us, it's not about I'm okay, Jack, it's all about how much you've given away. And I'm always challenged by, in all the years, you know, I was almost going to get up and get a chocolate this morning, because it's been 1,900 weeks since I got saved. So, you know, I thought that was around about right. <laughs> about 37 years, something like that. Um, so I thought it's not about me, it's about how much we give away. And then I thought, well, just the other day, I thought, what about sheep and goats? Why does he use the example of sheep and goats? You know, obviously, it's hard to distinguish between the two of them. But what else about them? So I looked up what the characteristics of goats and sheep are. Well, it said uh, in Wikipedia and a few other things that, you know, are obviously always correct. Uh, goats are very independent. They are headstrong and hard to contain. Right? They will bust through fences quite often, quite commonly. They always want what's on the other side because the grass is always greener over there and I want to get over there, thank you very much. So they don't listen and they don't flock together naturally. They're reasonably by themselves. And they are foragers, which means basically they meet, eat just about anything. They're not selective in what they feed on. And I thought that was really interesting. Okay? How many times have I been independent and headstrong, hard to contain, not naturally a follower, and forage and don't actually selectively feed what goes into me. Sheep, on the other hand, naturally follow. They're looking for a follower, whether it's one of the other sheep or it's someone else. So the shepherd finds them easier to herd. They naturally want to flock together. They naturally want to be with their brothers and sisters. They naturally want to be part of the community and do things for others. And they're selective eaters. They don't covet something else. They selectively just eat the grass in front of them. They might stick their head through the fence now and again, a bit of long grass, but they don't really fuss about what's over there too much. And I thought that was a good analogy of really what we should be, isn't it? But here's the key. Rather than striving and straining to try and be a sheep all the time, here's the key to how we do it. It's not in our strength, just like anything we do in our life, is it? But it's by the Word of God. The more we put the Word of God on us, the more we change our nature. The more we try and change our nature without his help, the more we just suppress and become religious. You know? The word does the work. Abraham heard the word and followed God. Moses heard the word from the burning bush and followed God. Joshua heard the word, followed God, and so on, so on, and so did the disciples. Let the word do its work in us, and it'll come out okay. It'll produce a crop, intentional, like we heard before, love, and everything will come out of our hearts. So who are we walking in, ourselves or what God says we are? What are we feeding into ourselves? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. And sorry I don't have a PowerPoint this morning, but I tend to change things the last minute and it gets a bit hard. Um, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest. Let anyone fall fall according to the same example of disobedience. So there's a rest of God for us, and we have to be diligent to enter it. And I thought, what was the disobedience of the children of God, the Israelites back in the day? God said, go and get the promised land. And the Israelites said, no, no, we can't do it. There's giants in that land. It's too scary, too hard. That's a challenge for us today, isn't it? God, you said this. Oh, it's too scary, too hard. I can't do it. No, we can't do it, but he can in us. 
You know, he told the uh, disciples to wait until they were endued with power and high when the day of Pentecost came, rather than go out in their own strength. He always wants to go out with him in us to do the work. Willing vessels with him doing the power. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and powerful. Living and powerful. We're called to a rest, but we have to push ourselves in, don't we? We have to come overcome the fear, the busyness, the cares, the I'll do it tomorrow, I've got too much on at the moment, you know, all the rest of the stuff that comes in and tries to crowd everything out. Colossians 3.14 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's a good statement. Can't defeat the flesh with the flesh. All you do is just suppress the flesh. <laughs> it bubbles away inside. It's just underneath. You know, it doesn't go away. God is the one that takes it away. Now, a few weeks back when I spoke, I mentioned the statement, garden your heart, which I thought was brilliant, by the way. Um, it wasn't in my notes. It wasn't even in my mind. But when I heard myself say it, I thought, man, that's a good idea. Um, so I felt that was the Holy Spirit. So that's why I think it's good. Garden your heart, all right? Get rid of the weeds out of your heart. The parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 has four types of ground, and every one of us in this room is one of those types of ground. Whether you're saved or not, or you've been Christian for years, you're all one of, this, one of these grounds, right? The first one is the path. The sower sows the seed, and it says the sower sows the word. The seed is the word of God. It sows out onto the path. The path is hardened. It's been trampled down. It's like a person who says, no, I'm not having any of that religious rubbish. I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, take it away. You know, Hardened heart. And so the devil just snatches away what was sown in the heart. So if you have received Christ, you're not the path, right? So you're not one of that type of ground. Second one is the stony ground. So the, the seed goes onto the stony ground and it takes root, but it doesn't go down very far because of the stones. And when the heat of the sun comes out, uh, it dies, it withers and dies, because right? it can't get a deep root. So if you have been a Christian for some time or you know, a couple of years, then it's unlikely that you are the stony ground. That's the person who hears the word, receives it, and then, no, oh, it's too hard, I'm giving that away, I'm going back to the world. All right? If that's not you, you've been in the church for a while, then you're not the second type of soil. The third one is the thorny ground, and that's found in verse 18, and it says, Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the interesting thing about this third type of ground is the word doesn't die. These people still attend church. They still become you know, part of the congregation. They still carry on, because it doesn't die. It just gets choked and produces no fruit. Right? It doesn't reproduce itself. It's not focused on saving lives. It's not focused on getting passionate about missions or you know, uh, coming to prayer meeting or whatever the case may be. Um, but it's still involved. And I thought, that's always the danger. I find that a challenge for me. You know, how much fruit am I producing? And if I'm not producing fruit, then I've got to go back to the three problems. The cares of this world. That's one of the weeds that grows up. And the cares literally means the distractions of this world. Yeah. Things that come against us day by day. Oh, I've got to pay the bills. I've got to make the tea. I've got to do this. I've got to take the kids across town. I've got to do all sorts of other things. I'm too busy to be with God at the moment. I'm too busy to help that person. I'm caught up in my own life. Right? The weeds that crowd things out and then we come start to sway onto the goat side. <laughs> and we've got to bring ourselves back onto the sheep side. 
And the second one is the deceitfulness of riches. You know, in our Western world, we get so caught up all our lives, you know, trying to get more money, more money, more money, more money, bigger house, bigger car, bigger holiday, you know. I was going to say bigger boat, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> God doesn't mind having us, these, us having these things. It's when our heart gets caught up in them, or I'll correct that. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, the, the billionaire and the pauper, they're the same at the point of death, when they die. Can't take anything with you. It means nothing in the end. But the deceitfulness of riches. You know, if we seek first the kingdom of God, he'll supply the other things. But what do we seek first is the key. And the last one is desires for other things. I've got to have that big TV. I've got to have that latest iPhone that just came out. I've got to have this. I've got to have that, you know. The desiring other things, like the goat always wanting to be over in the other paddock. That looks really nice over there. Those things choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So we have to garden our hearts and keep the weeds out so that then we can become, in verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold, which is brilliant. And God never says how much fruit you have to produce, which is really cool. He doesn't say if you're not 100-fold return, you're out. He just says, if you just produce a little bit of fruit, that's enough. You know? The parable of the talents. If you just put the money on with the bank and got a little bit of interest, that would have been okay. You know? Produce a hundredfold, great. But do something. Give me something back. You know, I was thinking there's about 3% in New Zealand uh, of the population who attend church regularly, according to census data. Only 3%. If we were just the 30-fold, and in our lifetime we get 30 people come to the Lord through our you know, work in the community, across our lifetime, 3 times 30 is 90. That's 90% 90 of population of New Zealand attending church. Would that be right? Rough maths? That's pretty good. Even just the 30-fold is good enough for me. So let's produce some fruit. Separated to themselves, didn't they? Paid the price, weeded the garden of their hearts is what all these people in the Old Testament did. We are in the world but not of the world. We need to protect the words, speak only what the word says out of our heart. Okay, John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father. It's the one time we see Jesus praying. It's a good example of him talking uh, and how the relationship went. They are not of the world, he said, just as I am not of the world. This is us. Set them apart. Sanctify, in other words. Sanctify just means set apart. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I set apart myself, that they also may be set apart by the truth. So the word is the truth. When we heard the word, we believed it, but God gave faith in our hearts, and we received salvation, and it set us apart. It was the word that started it. It's the word that continues it. The word does the work. In Acts 12, 24, it says, but the word of God grew and multiplied. See, like the parable of the sower, it's the word in our hearts that produces the fruit, not us. Our activities can't produce it, but we can get the word to produce it. Acts 19, 20 says, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Great. In Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And that he might set apart, this is the church, and cleanse her with the washing of water of the word, by the word, 
that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and that she should be holy and without blemish. We are the bride of Christ, and the only way we're going to be holy and without blemish and without spot or wrinkle is through the Word of God washing us, not by our religious activity. We're never going to get there by that. It's never going to be of any value whatsoever. You know, the other day I was, I was thinking... Lord, you know, I do hear from you, but I just don't hear from you that much. And I was saying, you know, I just, I just don't hear from you that much. And I was saying that a few times. And I suddenly realized, what am I doing? What am I saying? You know? I should be saying what I want. I should be saying what the promise of the word says. So I went to John 10.3 and it says, the sheep hear his voice. Right? I'm on the sheep side. The sheep hear his voice, it says. So I've been declaring that over the last month. I hear your voice, Lord, because I'm your sheep. Yeah. I hear your voice. And the amount, man, the amount of times he's talking to me now compared to before. Wow. Doubled. Wow. Because I put the word in there and the word's doing the work. Yeah. You know, it's how the whole thing goes. Confess it, believe it. See, there is a realm where it has very light burdens. You know, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and light. Yeah. Our yoke that we try and do is hard. We take his on, it's easy. There's a, there's a realm where, you know, the angels guard you about. There's a realm where all your supply is because he will supply your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's a realm where all things are possible to them who believe. There's a realm where we can live in through the word. Where we don't have to fear, you know, the, uh, the evil. That we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Regardless of what we see around us. There's an abundance for us. In 2 Corinthians 3.18... And I'll read this from the Amplified Version. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? When we look into the Word, we see ourselves in His glory. Now, that's too much for us to, to handle. Religion says, no, I have to be down here and humble. But God says, I've raised you up. I've seated you in heavenly places. And are constantly being transfigured into his very image in ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's what the Word says. And here's a scripture in 2 Peter 1, 3. And this is really, you know, if you've got your Bibles, you want to have a read of this. In 2 Peter chapter 1. Because if you grasp hold of what it's saying in here, it'll change your life. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, I'm reading from the New King James, but it'll be very similar in your one. As his divine power has given to us, has given to us, past tense, already done, finished, has given to us all, not some, not part, not a little bit, but all things that pertain to life and godliness. Isn't that amazing? His divine power has already given to us everything that pertains to our life and godliness. Isn't that amazing? How? How do we receive this? Through the knowledge of him, through getting to know him, and who called us by glory and virtue. Okay, so how do we get to know him? By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Isn't that amazing? You want to become like God and his giving and his loving and his power and be able to meet the needs of the people around you? Then get into the precious promises. The word of God. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So you'll get away from that as well. Brilliant. Simple, isn't it? Sounds simple. Sounds simple. 
Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that all the time, don't we? We all know that prayer. But it says, Your kingdom come. Basically, that word kingdom means realm. Your realm come. Your way of working come. Your spirituality, your provision come. Let us walk in that. And then when that happens, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it's saying. So right now, his will's not being done. So what's the will being done on earth as it is in heaven? What's happening in heaven? There's no lack in heaven. That means that his will be done in heaven, same as here. So when this realm comes, there's no lack here. There's no sickness in heaven. When this realm comes, there's no sickness here. There's no lack there's no lack. There's joy. There's joy. You know? That's what the Father wants. He wants that, what it's like in heaven, to be here. And it comes through those great and precious promises. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the realm of God. Identical word. Seek first the realm of God. I want to live in the realm of God. I, that's just a brilliant place where his angels protect me in all that I do. Seek first. And I think that's a real challenge, and that's the key. Don't let the weeds come in and say, okay, I'll get back to that once I've done my worldly bit. If God's calling you, then seek first. And I've been trying to do this over the last six months or more. Whenever I think of that thing, I'll stop and I'll read a word. How to, you know, because it's always on on your phone or it's in close to you or I'll do something else or I'll pray when I, as soon as I go to do something and I think of it I'll seek first, seek first, seek first I'll put him first before something else even if it's only five minutes, even if it's only two minutes I'll just seek him first because I don't live by what I see I live by faith in what the Lord has said, that's what I attempt to do I set apart his word called to a new realm, a promised land his promises walk by faith. Faith is what pleases God, isn't it? You know, it says in Romans 8 that the, you know, without faith you cannot please God because you must believe that he exists, obviously, because you wouldn't become a Christian otherwise. But it also says that you cannot please God unless you believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not a punisher, not going to beat you down, but you must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him or you're not going to please him. Interesting thought. He's a good God. Faith has works, doesn't it? A little bit of outworking there. It has to have some action. And faith challenges what we see and feel. You know, I, uh, about a month ago, I... Um, make sure I've got enough time. Uh, about a month ago, I uh, had a little bit of a sore pain on the side of me. And I thought, oh, you know, just bugging me a little bit. Just inside somewhere, I wasn't quite sure what it was. You know, you put up with things for a while. About 24 hours later, I thought, oh, you know, I, thought, oh, I should pray about that. <laughs> you know, it wasn't bad enough to stop you. And I suddenly thought, I think, oh, I've heard people talk about this before. I th it feels like a kidney infection or something like that, you know. It wasn't in your muscles, you know. So I laid hands on myself and said, right, in the name of Jesus, command that to work right. And uh, walked off. Did it feel any different? No, not at all. felt exactly the same <laughs> as it was when I prayed for it. But about an hour later, I thought, oh, yeah, that, oh, that's gone. You know, haven't had it back. 
See, living in the realm of God and his promises, and, you know, for 1,900 weeks I've been dwelling on those healing scriptures. So, you know, you start to build that in and get some fruit back from it. But his realm is there, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, to be a sheep more than a goat, to uh, not only just supply our own, but then I can go out. And the thing that I mentioned that for is the other week when Sheridan asked, what are you going to do, what action are you going to take? I thought, it's all very well for me to be healed. How can I go out and find other people to be healed? And that's what I wrote down. How can I get to people with what I've learned about that to teach, to pray for, and so forth? And that's what I'm attempting to do. To be a sheep instead of just a goat looking after myself. So here's my challenge for you today, which is pretty obvious. Who wants to be a sheep more than a goat and have more sheep days, right? Because I've got my hand up first. Amen? Right? All of us? Brilliant. I'd be surprised if he said no. So what do we have to do to do that? How many of us want to have more sheep days? Good name. Find the promises in the Bible, the ones that relate to you first. Write them down, type them up, put them on your phone, put them on your door, whatever you do with them. Declare them, speak them out every day. Declare them and then secondly, garden your heart. And I mean this, the two things to say here about gardening your heart, don't say anything that contradicts what you just declared out of the word. You go to say something, just button it up. Oh, I never have anything good. Oh, no, not going to say that. You know, just stay with what you confessed about the promises. And then cast off the cares. The Bible says don't be anxious about anything. Philippians 4, 6. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Right? Put those sort of promises and cast those cares off and declare them every day. We are priests set aside to do a function. Sanctify or set apart yourself to do that function, to serve God, to serve those around us. Amen? That's my call. Seated in heavenly places. You know, I'll just finish with the scripture. John 10.10 10 says, The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and that we might have it in abundance. And I know which one I prefer. Amen. Galatians 2.20, I have been, I was going to finish with that, but this is just when I wanted, just want to give you a challenge here. I have been crucified with Christ as long as I who live, but Christ lives in me. I just want to say, if, if you're not a Christian here, and probably most of us are, I mean, most of us will be, of course. If you're not a Christian here this morning, I give you that challenge this morning that it's time to shift out of the goats and into the sheep. It's time to shift out of the little bit you've got. Give that away and take on the big bit that he wants for our lives. Amen. And I just wonder for a moment, just why we, so we can focus, so we just close our eyes and just think about what our life is about, where we're going right now. Because if you've just got this little bit and you're thinking, man, I, I just want more out of life. I want a purpose in my life. I want to actually not just live for me anymore. I want to take on something that's bigger than me. Jesus died for all of us. He loves us. He cares for us. And he wants to change our lives and take us forward. So if you want to change your life now and become a sheep, if you want to know the fullness, the realm of his life, then I just ask you to put your hand up and say, yeah, I receive you this day. I take on you this day. In Jesus' name. If anyone's here that wants to come into that life today, amen. It's a good life. It's a great life. We can't do it alone. 
We struggle through life, but we can't do it alone. We need his help. Amen. Amen. Great to see that everyone is a believer here this morning. I'm not sure how you want to finish it off, but I'll leave it to you. Thank you, Chris. Fantastic. I think that's worth listening to on the podcast again because there's a hang of a lot in there, isn't there? Look at this, our take-home question this week for parents. Find three people this week to encourage with their words. That's the discussion to have with your kids around lunch today. What a great discussion to follow on from the word we've received this morning. And can I encourage you, please, to be purposed in our giving as you leave in the foyers or electronically, however you do it. But I pray God's blessing on you as you give faithfully to the work that he's doing in and through us in Jesus' name. Also, as we finish, if there is anything at all that you would like someone to stand with you for prayer, why don't you come down the front? team would love to pray with you. And maybe uh, the message this morning has stirred something in you and you really feel to respond and uh, have someone stand with you and pray with you around that. Come, come down the front. The team would love to pray with you. Can I invite you to stand? Let's pray as we, as we leave. Actually, tonight I'm speaking on the power of agreeing with God's Word, responding to God's Word. It ties in pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that we've had a, a feast of your Word. And I thank you that we've been able to spend time together in your presence, worshipping you. You are worthy truly worthy of all of our praise all of our worship all of our time and all of our attention and we thank you that you love us that you are so interested in us this week Lord I pray that we would leave this place recharged and encouraged and that wherever we are and whenever we're there we'd be like Jesus help us in that I pray in Jesus name Amen Enjoy the rest of the week. Why don't you stay around, have a coffee, meet a few people. Please come down the front if there's anything at all we can pray with you for.